Hey there, and welcome to our very first Inside Intercom episode of 2018. To kick things off for the year, we thought we'd bring back on our favorite roundtable of product panelists and have each of them give their take about what we can expect from software in the new year. Leading the show is our co-founder, Des Trainer, and he's joined by our VP of product, Paul Adams, and director of product design, Emma Connolly. So, what are they talking about? Well, each of them is going to predict what's next for things like voice UI and augmented reality. They'll debate whether this is the year that AI really grows up for businesses and we all figure out how to put it in practice. The new roles software companies are going to need to hire for this year and so much more. Some of these predictions might hit, others, well, we've been wrong before. But if you're curious how the Screws 2017 calls turned out, be sure to check out our year in review episode, which we released just before the holidays. And to make sure you don't miss any of our Inside Intercom episodes in the year ahead, subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast today. We've got some really exciting plans for where to take audio in 2018, and I'll be sharing those with you in the weeks and months to come. All right, let's get the year started and hand things over to Des, who's in the studio with Paul Adams and Emma Connolly. You're listening to Inside Intercom. Intercom, making internet business personal at scale. Learn more at intercom.com. Welcome to Inside Intercom. I'm Des Trainer, your host, and today I'm joined by Mr. Emmett Connolly, our Director of Product Design. Hey, Emmett. Good to be here. And our VP of Product, Mr. Paul Adams. Hi, Paul. How are you? Hi, Des. I'm good. Thank Wonderful. you. Wonderful. First off, it is 2018. Do either of you plan your years? Do you, like, did you have, do you have a set of goals, New Year's resolutions? Um, are they written down somewhere? Do you share them with people? How do you do it all, Paul? Yeah, uh, what I'm about to say is super corny, so you okay. have to forgive me. I'll be embarrassed when I listen to myself. Uh, you know, if you don't have a goal, you can't score, right? Okay, I'm, I'm embarrassed. Do you like that? Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> trick is to not listen to yourself. <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah. That's my advice for you uh, now. Sorry, we'll edit all this out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm a huge believer in goals. I'm right. kind of obsessed with goals, mm-hmm. probably. And so, yeah, I write goals before the year starts. So yeah. like, you know, mid-December, I'll start thinking about 2018. So like mid-December 2017, think about start, start thinking about 2018. Um, write down some craft goals and you know my experience heavy 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 experience is that when I write things down they tend to happen and when I don't they tend not to you know that's everything from like life you know remember like years ago Jenny my wife and I wrote down like life goals like we wanted Mm -hmm. to like live by the sea and get a dog and you know buy a certain type of house and live in a certain type of neighborhood and like lo and behold because we had a list of things to aim for Mm -hmm. they happened and when you say write them down, how literal is that? Like, are you talking like, is this like actual pen and paper? Is this bare? Is this like a Google Doc? It's Google Docs, right. yeah. Uh, I don't have any sophisticated way of writing them down. Right. They're typically in a Google Doc. And how often do you revisit them? Uh, it totally depends on the thing. So like yeah. I have weekly goals right. for work, you know, so at yeah. the start of every Monday morning, yeah. I go to a coffee shop. I don't go to the office on a Monday morning. Yeah. I go to a coffee shop on my own. It's kind of like a little treat too, you know, start the yeah, week yeah. in a nice way. Yeah. Have, some, have, a, have a brunch, you yeah. know. And I just think about like, what is, you know, I've had the weekend to kind of decompress. What's all the mm-hmm. stuff in front of me? Mm-hmm. Let me not, you know, jump my inbox and start randomly replying to emails I got over the weekend or yeah. on Friday or whatever. Actually, like, what's the most impactful thing I can do this week? And then I'll tra- you know, kind of transform all that into a set of goals for the week. Yeah. And then, you know, like everyone else who's listening and, and, and you two, mm-hmm. you get dragged in all sorts of directions when you uh, are in the day to day. And so the goals help me you know, yeah. focus and, and stay focused and stay, you know. It's like that Mike Tyson, like, everyone has a plan until they show up at the office. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. What about you, Emmett? Do you observe the discipline of goals? I certainly do it for, at a, on a, a daily and weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Um, as regards the year, I, it was less goals and more a, 
quite concrete set of intentions. Um, I, I don't don't think at the year level I'm I'm quite ready to put a specific target that I can hit or not hit sure. at, at that scale. But I did an exercise at the end of last year mm-hmm. with my team where I put together and got their feedback going into it as well. All of the things that I think we can improve thematically and we kind of came out with five teams and we went through yeah. all of them together. And so we're all kind of aware and we're aware going into the break really of stuff to, you know, mull over uh, in our heads while while we're in that big mm-hmm. decompression period. Um, and now we're kind of ready and we know what, what it is that we want to tackle. And, and so it's a matter of really getting in and breaking that stuff down. So we're certainly not going into the year cold. And I, I think it's just good for everyone to feel um, there is a natural break point in the new year and for everyone to come into the new year feeling aligned and, and, and knowing what we're all going to try and solve together. And it's the same thing as like doing your goals on a Friday. You know, yeah, you don't yeah. come and wander into the office on a Monday morning and go like, I wonder what I'm going to be up to this week. And yeah. it's, you know, lunchtime on Monday before you figured that out. So uh, it's all having, having brunch. Br- oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, <laughs> brunch time is usually yours. Yeah. Friday will be But better. like, you know, what do you think is, is the purpose to like write down the most important things you need to do in, independent of the context which might be just dragging you onto like less important things like is, is that your inbox is just this ordered by recency rather than importance just you know shopping list of shit that you have to get involved in and and by like getting out of the office for you or by sitting down on a Friday you can kind of free yourself of all the sort of day-to-day and be like what's actually important here is that like the the practice I think so yeah and, like, and then how do you stick to it like so, like I mean I'm, I'm asking both personally and for our listeners in a sense like yeah. uh, in that like you know some some big shit happens on Tuesday an email like you know like I don't know some huge product news or something like that like does that change your goals or do you like no no this week's set in stone I'll, I'll factor that in for next week uh, I think I mean it depends like uh, you shouldn't be totally dogmatic I mean if something yeah. you know happens it happens yeah. and you need to reprioritize yeah. That that can happen sometimes. I also don't hit my goals every week. Yeah. You know, there's, there's weeks I don't hit them. Yeah. And so, another thing that's important to realize, I suppose, is that these things are aspirational. And mm-hmm. I've written in the past that like this isn't a set of tasks. Yeah. It's not like present at the all hands, right? right? It's like well, the all hands is happening, and you're going to show yeah, yeah, up yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's your job. You know, yeah. it's like they're aspirational things. They're like mm-hmm. you know, what would a great week look like for me? It's not look at my calendar, show up to all the meetings. It's like yeah. well, if I get X done and Y done. That'll be a fantastic week. And sometimes that don't happen because I get dragged into other stuff, like yeah. you said. Yeah, fair enough. Emma. I um, have always kind of nerded out a bit on um, the personal productivity side of this. Right. And so everything from like get the get classic getting things done, like the mm-hmm. David Allen book, to all sorts of, you know, there's been many flavors like Inbox Zero and, and yeah. Bullet Journal and all this kind yeah. of stuff. But for me, one is keeping you on track and not getting distracted by whatever is flowing into your inbox on a daily basis. And then the other thing is to just have this reliable system. Like I, you know, we all process so much information on a daily basis that if I didn't have like a bucket that I could put a lot of that inbound stuff into that I could then later come to and prioritize on a, again, daily and weekly basis, I just forget all the shit that I need to do and I wouldn't be able to cope. So uh, it's just necessary to, to process and stay on top of what I have going on as well. So I'm guessing one of your goals for 2018 is hiring. Obviously, it goes without saying we're, you know, you know, designers, engineers, product managers, blah, blah, blah. But what are the new roles or what are the areas you think software companies will find themselves looking to hire in that maybe wouldn't have occurred to them before? What's net new here? 
I don't know if this is very specific to us yeah, and the yeah. stage that we're at, uh, or at least in my team, the design yeah. team, product design team, we're kind of moving into the stage where we can fold specialists into what we we're doing. We've right. had lots of um, generalist product designers mm-hmm. to date. Now we're having things like UI design roles mm-hmm. opening up and allowing people to just specialize and go really deep. Most people are naturally T-shaped, but we're yeah. kind of explicitly hiring for that yeah, now yeah. in some ways. The other thing that we've put a lot of uh, work into in maybe especially the latter half of last year was around content strategy and mm-hmm. making that a real integrated part of the product design team. I think before for us and for most companies that I've come across, it's kind of treated as more of a service. You know, mm-hmm. oh, you could call on the content strategy folks if you have something that yes. um, fits them. But we're really folding them into almost every aspect of how we design products now. To the point where we're actually toying with calling it content design instead, just to be really more clear about instead of content strategy, instead of content strategy, right? Simply because I think strategy suggests that it's someone who maybe comes in, provides a service, Mm -hmm. hands you your strategy doc, and then leaves again, as opposed to being really a partner and an integral part of the design process all along. That's an interesting distinction. The idea, like, so I think content strategy was like the discipline evolved faster than the name did, if you know what I mean, uh, in that, like, I I don't question the discipline, but I do wonder, is content strategy the right name for it? Because that would imply that all they are strategists and uh, they're actually doers, or at least within Intercom, they certainly are. So it's interesting, like, do you think the you know, it's hard to hire for something that doesn't exist yet. But like, you know, I, I imagine the job description might look similar, but the difference is they're actually going to be paired with product teams. Is that right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And embedded on product teams, once we kind of reach yeah. the mass that allows yeah. us to do that, yeah. it, to get there, we'll have to share mm-hmm. content designers across course, different teams. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the hiring thing is an interesting challenge mm-hmm. there. Um, choosing the right title that actually yeah. describes the role. And, and, yeah. and one is that like, you have to strike the balance between people understanding what the job is and accurately right. describing it. And yeah. so you have to hope people read yeah. beyond the title uh, I, I, sometimes I, as well. I guess you'll have all sorts of funny games with the UI designer title in that regard as right, well. that's true. Yeah. Um, Paul, other roles that will exist in 2018 that didn't exist until now? Yeah, it's interesting because um, when you're talking um, about the content design title versus content strategist, you know, one of the big areas that we work in and have learned a lot about here is like machine learning and um, bots and mm-hmm. you know as we developed our operator bot last year and when we were designing it like we've tons of yeah. stuff on the blog about the words we used the yeah. concepts we communicated you yeah. know is this a person is it a robot like how do they talk and all sorts of stuff and it made me think that there's other new jobs there too right yeah. like not that content strategy is necessarily a new job but there's new yeah. types of skills that yeah. are even more important than they were in other contexts mm-hmm. and one of them is, is is in and around all this content that you have machines learn over, you know? Right. So like these big data sets and yeah. what, what's in these data sets? Like it could be text, bodies yeah. of content, conversations. You hope that you've written an algorithm or some code that can like run over this data and learn and, you know, yeah. there's feedback loops and it reinforces. And and yet, you know, machines are contextless. You know, they're not mm-hmm. people and they don't understand where things came from necessarily. And so I think a, an important job will be to have someone, a human being, um, in some kind of management role where they oversee all this stuff and they look at the output of all these ML systems and course correct them, you know. And maybe there's like an, an analogy to factories here where, you know, when factories were like all people on the factory line, yeah. then it became robots and automated. And yet there's still people on the factory line, right? Yeah, and they're yeah. checking and they're making sure that everything's working and, you know, 
the door isn't on the bonnet of the car and whatever. Is it like, it's like, a, uh, it, seems, it seems to be like that one role there is QA, right, in some senses, in like, let's make sure that it's learning off the right. So I guess, like, to, to abstract this for, like, for to go beyond intercom in a sense, like, all companies in general will be adopting tools that have AI and machine learning and key ingredients in there is like, you know, uh, whatever variables define when the AI or the, uh, or the bot or whatever fires. So you can sort of say like in intercom land, that means like how, how chatty should the bot be? How, how often should it jump into a conversation? But then also there's like, what's it learning from? And in, in, in intercom, it learns from a body of conversations, whereas like from another product, it might learn from a series of like games of poker played and somebody else might learn for a series of like, you know, you know, let's say flight delays or whatever, right? So you have like kind of the inputs to the system and then you have the the rules that kind of govern the system. The role you're speaking about here is like, it's like who controls all of that? Like who, it's like yeah. who, who, who twists the dials at the end of the conveyor belt and who makes sure what's going into it and what's coming out of it is of high quality and all that. And like, it is fair to say that that role just doesn't exist today, right? Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. And the more I think about it, the more I realize it does exist in factories. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know where the analogies kind of start to break down, but like if you look at Go, right, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of AI that like beat the Go champion that Google yeah, built, yeah, like yeah. Go is a game with rules, yeah. right? And the rules start and they finish, yeah, yeah. whereas life doesn't and most yeah. things people deal with don't. Yeah. And, you know, cars don't, right? Subjectively, mm-hmm. there's nice cars and ugly yeah. cars and better yeah. cars and worse cars. And so at some point, people will still be involved, mm-hmm. you know, managing the output and teaching yeah. the system yeah. to teach itself in a better way. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That's yeah. It's interesting to think about. I think it'll it's obviously gonna be paired to the adoption of AI in general, but like it's yeah. you know, as 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 a company that produces uh software that we hope people will learn to tweak and control the inputs of it's something that we need to think about. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk about some of the you know, given it's it's a new year, uh here's some more new trends. Uh and none of these trends are new. They've been around forever. We're all just waiting for them to pop. Voice UI. Last year, we did a podcast at the turn of the year where we all kind of predicted in some way, shape or form that voice would be huge in 2017. And I don't, I mean, I think we were definitely wrong if the criteria was huge. Mm-hmm. Definitely didn't flop. I think like, I think Echo had a good Christmas or Alexa had a Amazon's product, had a good Christmas. Siri hasn't gotten much better, I don't think. Certainly OK Google's still the same old OK Google. What are we waiting for here with voice, Emmett? I was hoping you'd say Emmett there, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad to provide you with the answer. I I think we're, honestly, I think more than it being some like silver bullet thing that we're waiting to arrive, it's more the case of like, why are we waiting for something? Why do we have this crazy expectation that everything is going to be Mm -hmm. a mad world changing technology once it matures to a certain level, which is certain to happen within the next 12 months, right? Yeah, yeah. And so maybe it's more a case where there's a certain class of new technologies and products that won't necessarily change the world in the way that the smartphone Mm -hmm. has, despite the fact that, you know, we all might look forward to and be excited at the prospect of that. And so maybe, you know, we should be more comfortable with the idea of that there is a a natural limit. By the way, I don't think voices hit some natural limit and that it's for timers and music and nothing else. Yeah. but it might be the case that it won't be, you know, the next yeah. UI. Yeah. In all probability, you know, not every technology is going to be the next UI. Some are going to be handy little additions to our yeah. everyday lives. And some may be these like world changing new technologies. And you could have a guess at what those might be. It's a lot harder to say when they're actually going to land or yeah. if it's going to be a change that takes, you know, maybe 
decades as in retrospect the internet took mm -hmm. or a year as like smartphones took yeah, you know yeah. or maybe a bit more than a year but maybe we need to change our definition of like what what like you know the pop will look like for voice in some sense i've long said that like you know there's like a very clear use case for voice it's just not that big which is just like you know hey i am like eyes busy hands busy i'm driving or i'm cooking or whatever and i just want to take a simple task and execute you mentioned kind of very briefly and very naturally timers and music, but what is unique about those two flows that makes it amenable to voice? For one, the error rate is very low. Do you mean like the cost of an error or you mean the... No, I, I think generally speaking, like that the failure rate of yeah. I didn't, Des, I didn't understand what you said when yeah, you yeah. said set a timer for three minutes yeah, is, is pretty yeah. rare now. Okay. Right? And yeah. the voice recognition yeah. has gotten really good mm -hmm. and they're really really simple tasks that you yeah. are confident that it can complete but other things that might be a little bit more complicated even yeah. to the extent of like ordering a cab like with with yeah. um an echo i spent ages trying to hook up all the yeah. necessary uh integrate switching on the yeah. integration and remembering the specific phrasing needed which i'll mm -hmm. try not to say in case anyone's yeah. listening to this <laughs> on their speaker <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. uh and order cabs for everyone, but well, um, sense it won't work, so. but it's hard to remember basically, and and yeah. I find that I can't can't remember yet, and so yeah, yeah. for a lot of those things, like the incantation is just a little bit um, to remember it and utter it, right. just seems like a tiny bit more friction than pulling out the phone, and so uh, that that's the difference at least in my personal right. Usage. So th there's something about the the like diversity of the command, right? I think most people would say I want to set a timer for five minutes uh, in some sense, whereas like there's probably many different ways to say I would like to travel by public transport to this building, right? right. Like, hey, call me a cab. But, you know, Paul, what's your take on voice? Do you use it? Have you used it? Yeah, uh, similar to Emmett, like I'm not really sure. You know, the, the as you spoke there, Emmett, the thing that I thought I thought of was AirPods. So yeah. I bought AirPods last year and I went through the same path. I think almost everyone did, which was mm -hmm. you know some version of like state of those i'm not getting them you, yeah, know, you look yeah. like an idiot if you wear those things they've got bluetooth written all over them yeah, yeah, headsets totally. so like i'm not yeah. getting them mm -hmm. yeah and people get them they're like oh you know life changer and mm -hmm. i'm still skeptical and then eventually i bought them in the summer mm -hmm. and yeah lo and behold yeah, life changer like yeah. and it's the friction thing you mentioned like the the suddenly just not having wires and just easy and you know it's a small like small little things actually I can't think now of going back to wearing like clunky wired headphones. Mm -hmm. And the reason I thought of that was for two reasons. One, it's like, wow, the something switched there. Some little friction, you know, some cost yeah. benefit thing switched. And like, I think voice needs a few of those types of things. Yeah. But also obviously the AirPods are a means in which voice, you could control a voice UI. Sure, yeah. And so I do wonder like, are, are like little pieces of the ecosystem being built at the moment? Right. Um, because I can imagine a world where, you know, I have the AirPods in, They've reached critical mass whereby I feel less self-conscious that I mm -hmm. have them in all the time. Maybe, you know, when I'm not listening to music, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I can talk to them and they do things, simple things. Yeah. So I, I wonder if, if you know, is it a year? Is it this year? Is it next year? Uh, where we look back and say, oh, they were the three or four. Sort of stepping stones. Yeah, that connected yeah. things that had to happen before suddenly. Yeah, yeah. You so know. it's like a jigsaw we have to solve. So yeah. we're now wearing the equipment necessary to be able to summon it. Right. Um. We obviously have our timers and our music playing uh, nailed, but yeah, I, I still wonder about like, will people ever like listen to their email? Uh, you know, there are yeah. there are some workflows where I think like literally, if if you can't look at your phone and like this is all that's going, yeah, you might listen to Twitter, but it's just not that great through a robotic voice. I actually think one genuine piece of the ingredient here 
will be like better computer voices for lack of a better word like mm. be, you know with more natural intonations I also think like in like on a five year time horizon can we record our own voices like in that Mission Impossible style can we mm. like can I send you a text message that if you press play is actually read in my voice yeah, uh, yeah. I think like that would totally unlock this new case and by the way I do realise that's also known as sending an audio file but the idea being <laughs> that, it, that it's like multimodal right you yeah, can actually yeah, you, yeah. you can choose to read it or you can choose to listen to it yeah yeah okay that's voice so basically Pro tip, you're all, all you're all in on voice in 2018 or? And get some AirPods. Augmented reality. Obviously, like Magic Leap is like the mythical sort of, you know, one day maybe they're going to show up and change all our lives. But it, in general, like, you know, there are augmented reality offerings on the market of sorts. Do we see this as actually like mattering or is it just still going to be a weird niche case for the year? Yeah, th- this one's clearer to me. Yeah. With voice, I'm just, I'm just not sure. And it's like, I'm just not sure. With AR, I think there's a future state. I don't think that's far, it's mm-hmm. that far away. I think there's a future state where we effectively will all have augmented reality in, in all parts of our everyday lives. And we'll never look, we won't be able to look back. Like in the same way today, it's hard to imagine a world where you didn't have a smartphone and didn't have the internet in your pocket and couldn't just have yeah. instant connectivity to almost all the world's information and yeah. all the people in your life. Um, like you could never go back to that world. Yeah. A world today in which what you see mm-hmm. is like effectively, you know, data lists in terms of the internet yeah. I think once someone figures out probably the hardware probably the experience it's kind of a little bit like the AirPods thing you yeah. know it's like little things that might make this a thing uh, once your experience is augmented I think people won't go back basically and I can think of all sorts of use cases and this is like the tip of the iceberg but you know going running and there's literally crowds mm-hmm. or you can actually be ru- you're running in some you're running around an empty stadium and in reality mm-hmm. there's like it's full and yeah. it's cheering and you know or like I don't know, this extended, like playing soccer, but it could do, yeah. you know, or you're playing and like suddenly other people is like, there's other famous footballers you're playing with or yeah, yeah. these are getting a bit ridiculous. It won't work if you pass the ball. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not Eric Cantona. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. It's not a smart me. football. Yeah. Pass it's actually the holodeck actually, from Star actually, Trek yeah. you're looking for here, I think, to yeah. be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like a great product. I'd invest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Emmett, what's your take? It, it strikes me that, you know, talking about things like, you know, watches and, and wireless headphones, they're limited enough in terms of the the bandwidth of media that they can deliver to you, either a tiny screen or audio only, that they will certainly, they're certainly useful additions and they'll, you know, enable you to do maybe more of certain things or some small new things. So, for example, I like I also got AirPods and I just listen to podcasts way more because you can just pop it in and it starts playing and you're good to go, that the friction is removed. And there's lots of little um, watch use cases like that. But I think the promise of AR is that it um, literally has the, uh, the the potential to be all-consuming in terms of the number of things that it can augment your reality with. And so the number of use cases probably vastly outstrips those other yeah. types of things that I just talked about there. Uh, it also seems like there's just going to be some tipping point. And if you believe in the kind of inexorable... Uh, crawl of progress around technology that at some point will reach it where it'll become, you know, better, good enough. Uh, VR seems like it's closer towards hitting that tipping point. But of course, you're not going to wear, you know, a VR headset all day. But like for for whatever limited, more limited um, Mm -hmm. than AR adoption that VR might achieve, it'll probably, it'll almost certainly happen sooner. Um, It seems more technically doable in the near term. I think the biggest appeal like is the idea of like I learned this phrase recently from a blog called prosthetic knowledge which is the stuff you don't know but you know how to find out immediately 
um, which it's basically the knowledge that's like in one order removed from your actual brain. And I think like we all have, like thanks to our phones, we all have like this insane amount of prosthetic knowledge. I can imagine a world where like you meet somebody for the first time, but you know everything, you, you know a lot more about them um, because maybe they're, they're, they too are wearing an AOR headset that clarifies all this. But in general, I can imagine people... Like if you have two choices, you can view the world the way we all do today, or you can view the world with all of this extra information immediately mapped onto it. That's so like, whether it's like wayfinding or whether it's like, you know, information relating to humans, like that you're meeting and talking to, or like, you know, you look at a restaurant and it tell you can see it's TripAdvisor rating right beside it or something like that. I can like, I think that will be like a, a type of one way switch. I don't know how far away that might be, but it, it's, yeah. it's, it's not, it's not, I can't imagine people frequently taking off those glasses or whatever the hardware might be or taking out that implant or. Totally, that's how I feel about yeah. it. And I think like commerce is a huge one. Like the things I mentioned earlier are kind of a little bit out there. They're very rich media yeah. oriented. But imagine if you could filter this stuff whereby, um, you know, you just said like, I like these stores. And then as you're walking down streets, you know, there's like notifications effectively from those stores saying like, hey, the thing you have in your shopping cart on their website is in yeah. the store. Like small things, small utilities will, yeah. I think, make people flip. And once they flip, yeah. you won't go back. Yeah. I, I I totally agree. Um, I just want an yeah. ad blocker for the real world. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. AI and machine learning is obviously like it's crossed something where we're no longer talking about it uh, in the sort of future tense. But uh, how do we think about it from like uh, 2018? Like, do you anticipate bots becoming a norm on the internet this year? Given that like you know we've so many tools out there that are offering to build chatbots specifically. And obviously we have our own uh, horse in the race as well uh, with Operator. But do you think 2018 might be some sort of year where that's actually it's just totally acceptable to go to a business and see a bot and talk to the bot? Yeah, I think we probably need to make a distinction between bots and AI. Yeah, you yeah. Know, For me, you know, bots were in the hype cycle yeah. in 2017. Yeah. And they, you know, came out of it, I think, throughout the year. And now yeah. we're at a place where, like, I think I think in 2018 you will see yeah. a lot of yeah. useful bots and that has matured in a, in a sense. Yeah. AI is still in, in my opinion, buzzword land. Right. Like people say AI and actually don't know what they mean. Other companies say say they have AI and they don't at all. They have like simple, yeah. you know, programming systems and yeah. and so like I think the theme for twenty eighteen for AI for most businesses will be yeah. learn what what it actually is and is yeah. not right. and learn to distinguish between companies that sell are selling you up the river mm-hmm. and the companies who are real. Yeah. So I think that I think there's a distinction there. I think they're on like different, slightly different paths. And, and learn how to apply it, right? Like um, the naive view is like just sprinkle some yeah. of that magic AI dust yeah. on top of your product, and yeah. and things will get way better. It's actually really challenging to build products and solve real problems mm-hmm. with this stuff. Um, and you have to learn a bit about how it actually works in order to learn the difference between something. You know, two different approaches. We've learned in in tiptoeing into this two slightly different approaches to the same problem. One could be like a three-week project using off-the-shelf um, yeah. technologies and another could be a nine-month thing with no promise of success at the end of it. It's essentially a nine-month research mm-hmm. project. So figuring out how to build with it is a, is a cool. whole other thing also. So that's a good four minutes and no one's actually answered my question. Uh, <laughs> well, will 2018 be the year when bots have become the norm on websites? This is what happens when you publicly embarrass us with our voice <laughs> prediction from last year. Uh, we get cagey, you know. It depends. It, uh, w- wonderful. And uh, I, I would ask you about Bitcoin, but Paul, you said it's going to crash. Emmett said it's going to grow and you're both going to be right by the time this year is done, I'm sure. I haven't a clue. I just know that I never bought Bitcoin and I regret it. And I'm, I'm going to be the right kind of right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think all, all, all possibilities are, are 
are guaranteed basically with any uh, sort of speculative investment. Emmet, outside of all the tectonic sort of shifts in technology, um, maybe more practically, what are the big trends that you think are going to change product and product design in 2018? Mm, one thing in the design corner of, yeah. of product design is around the, the tooling. There's just, uh, there's a mini, I think, um, uh, there's a lot of healthy competition going on yeah. between tools like um, Figma and Framer and Sketch and uh, InVision, have a new InVision studio coming out next year. Mm-hmm. Adobe have their thing. So there's a lot of competition to become the tool of choice for design teams everywhere. And then I think on top of that, I guess like building on the AI thing, a lot of these companies are looking for or looking ahead, I would say, mm-hmm. to opportunities to fold some of that stuff in. Honestly, if you look at how a lot of design work gets done, it's still like this incredibly manual process. And, you know, we're building design systems to try mm-hmm. and, you know, make it slightly less manual where you've got some pre-built components that you can work from. But it's still extremely labor intensive for such a high tech thing that we do there's some really early indications airbnb had a really interesting thing there a few months ago where they built a simple system where you can sketch on paper a little wireframe using a marker a sharpie whatever snap a photo of it and it would do some image recognition stuff and um actually compile and build a working app based off of that sketch that you had just done i think that you know that is a promise of an ai augmented uh, workflow again that's probably oversimplified and makes me think of the overseer role that you were talking about with these AI systems. And so a lot of that work w- won't be as simple as that where designers will just like use markers and, and, and yeah. paper and, and take photos of their work and so on. Yeah. But that'll need to be supervised in a great deal and probably tweaked at the end as well. It's interesting. The piece that stands out to me is um, like it's hard to distinguish the act of rendering your design from the act of designing, right? Like, so I know you you describe it as like an inefficiency in terms of like, hey, I've got the idea in my head, now I'm going to draw the boxes and the pictures and the buttons and all that. But as we all know, like when you're actually doing that, you're still designing in your head. Mm. Like, the, like the, there's not, it's not like you have two different modes and you, you flick the switch. So I, you know, whilst I 100% agree with the macro trend, uh, which is like, you know, better tooling for building software, as in let's stop using tools designed for editing photos. I am curious to know, like, uh, w- you know, I, I maybe put it another way: the ROI of, the, of these tools might not be an efficiency gain; it might just be better design, right? Like that's right. A, yeah, which is acceptable right. output too. Similarly, like voice recognition is good, but you when you sit down yeah. Des to write a blog post, you don't speak the whole no, thing, no, right? Yeah. Like you figure out what you need to yeah. say by actually writing it, then deleting that, then rewriting Precisely. it, and moving the end to the exactly. start, and so on. Yeah, yeah, totally. Paul, what's your take on what are the trends that are affecting product in general? Yeah, the, the biggest one in my mind is kind of a funny one, and I don't have great words to describe it. But basically, you could consider um, product making to be mm-hmm. somewhat commoditized. Wow. What I what I mean by that is, uh, if you uh, look at your industry, you know anyone who's listening to this making yeah. product, it's likely five competitors, ten yeah. competitors, could be hundred competitors. Yeah. Um, like as you've often shown, the Todoist screenshot mm-hmm. from the app store is like every yeah. thousand to do apps; yeah. they all basically look the same. Um, but it's very rare for somebody to not have competitors that mm-hmm. are good. Mm-hmm. They're good. They're good products. They're built well. They're designed well. You know, our industry has matured to a point where there are genuine competitors yeah. in your space. They're good. You're good. They're good yeah. too. And so the basics are ba- are somewhat commoditized. Mm-hmm. And then you have to wonder as a product maker, what fight are you fighting? Yeah. Like what's the front frontier? Is right. it is it better workflow design? Yeah. Is it 
you know, better interaction design or is it something else? Right. And what, like something else might be like, well, like, you have a better brand or you have a better connection with customers or you've got a better platform or... Exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. So that's an interesting one. Like in a sense, you have to design features assuming that like if it works, everyone's going to have it. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't work, then then no one's going to have it, including right. you. Assume you'll be uh, copied, yeah, basically. And so then the battleground does kind of shift to a higher order thing, which is, and it, you know, I wonder, is there just questions there about how fast the product design team can move versus what feature, versus like how, how strong their brand is or, yeah. or why do people come to them in the first place, basically, in some sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, one, one simple yeah. example is like Facebook, you know, copied a yeah. lot of other competitors last year. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people criticize them for it. Yeah. And I actually think, first of all, I think they did the right thing for, for their yeah. business. And second of all, they were simply doing what everyone else is doing. Yeah. You know, just got called out for it. Yeah. Everyone's copying everyone. I think it's like you don't get to stand up on a pillar talking about like how your origi- original, your thinking and your product ideas are in that world or it. Yeah. Anything else on that, Paul? Yeah. Like one other thing is that people think this is bad, you know, uh, that like copying other companies or taking what they've done and, and you know, taking it for yourself and your own way and its tweaks and so on is bad. I don't think it's bad. You mm-hmm. know, it's fair, fair game. It's how the world has always worked. Like my yeah. one of my favorite ideas that has dominated a lot of my career is that there's no such thing as a new idea in that it's just a, simply a new combination of two existing ideas, mm-hmm. right? And so um, in that regard, this isn't bad and people should just adopt it, embrace it, move on and, un- and understand where the actual fight is. Right. So was a, there was a lot of like pearl clutching going on when, say, Instagram uh, came out with their uh, stories, uh, stories, right? Yeah. Which was clearly, you know, at least initially, um, yeah. directly the same as as yeah. what Snapchat it was a had flat been doing. Rip. Like, I mean, I, 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 I would have no problem if I was an Instagram admitting it either. If you know what I mean, like, right. it was a rip. Like. But but as an Instagram user yeah. and someone who really enjoyed Instagram a lot this yeah. year, when there were probably a lot of parts of the web and and yeah. products that like didn't give you the warm and fuzzies yeah. to open, it made the product better. Yeah. And man, they subsequently iterated like hell on top of that flat rip mm-hmm. and and made that feature a lot better. And so, like I, I've actually spoken to some people who were wor- working on some of that stuff, and they said, look, the way we view it is, this was a new type of media mm-hmm. and fair play to Snapchat they you know were the ones who discovered it but it exists it's out there in the world and it's there for everyone to use we can't now. pretend it doesn't exist and, right? <laughs> and I mean again this is like if you look at the how the desktop computer evolved yeah. and, and how smartphones evolved especially between Android and iOS like yeah. over the course of a decade they borrowed wholesale from each other and yeah. uh, that that like um rising tide made everything better and so in some sense it's part of competition as well right yeah i guess like there's a whole body of work on that like you know the idea is like fast followers but um maybe just to close out then like if like and i I think you're right paul if this is a sort of a new style let's say of product development and maybe you know all product will become commoditized and we can replace the paul adams vp of product with one that's very cheaper Um, (laughs) then uh how do do companies prepare for it like what what, so what is it like identify your new battleground yeah i think like step one you know i I, like this is new to us in the technology industry or the internet industry however we describe ourselves uh it's not new like right. all cars have wheels, they're all round and they all yeah. are on axles and yeah, like yeah. all toasters look the same and all fridges look the same and yeah. like this isn't a new idea. And like all to-do apps kind of look the same, right? Like it, it, I guess it's like, it's maybe, it's the pace or something like that. Or, or... Yeah, there's some, I don't really understand this yeah. all that well, maybe I should think about it a bit yeah. more, but like there's some, you know, there's some like curve of of invention for yeah. everything in every yeah. industry and it reaches a point where like it's mature and it's mm-hmm. kind of like, 
you know, so like to do apps work the way to do apps work because there's not much invention there left probably and there's something yeah. else happening. And um, and I think that's true for like a lot of software, yeah. a huge amount of software. The Google Docs versus Microsoft Word, like where are we at? I mean, yeah. is either of them about to radically rethink document creation? Yeah, probably, probably not. not like, yeah. And so then the, so the question one is like first accept it mm-hmm. and it's not new. And then two, uh, adapt your plans, yeah. you know, and accept that you will be copied and then think about Think about the fact that you will be copied as you're building and designing the thing. Yeah, and like a, and no single feature or whatever is going to be your competitive edge, basically. Right. Yeah, cool. Right for not for long. Emmett, Paul, thank you very much. I wish you a great 2018. Pleasure. Likewise. See you next year, Des. <laughs> You've been listening to the Inside Intercom podcast. For more episodes, visit soundcloud.com slash intercom. If you'd like to subscribe, search for Inside Intercom in iTunes or Stitcher. And for even more great content, check out blog.intercom.com.